0: You're listening to Nest Talk, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Now, here's your host, Christopher Linfont. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ravens flock, my name is Christopher Linfant, coming at you with another episode of the Nest Talk podcast, the best and most elite Ravens podcast on the internet. But before we get started here, make sure to hit that subscribe button if you're listening on YouTube, and if you're listening on iTunes... Make sure you rate us and subscribe to us on iTunes as well. It would help us out a lot to grow the podcast and produce more content for you all. Yes, we are a week late on this podcast. I know I wanted to get one out a week after the draft, but um, timing and schedules just did not align for me to do that. Uh, But here we are on Thursday, May 9th, um, two weeks out from the NFL draft, and we are going to recap all the Baltimore Ravens news about the draft. Um, right here. Now, of course, there has there been other news that I probably should get out of the way um, first that the Baltimore Ravens, you know, have been involved in. And I think the first thing we'll talk about today is Michael Pierce signing that RFA tender to remain with Baltimore through the 2019 season. Michael Pierce, um, really the heart and soul of that Ravens defensive line at this point in his career, uh, was an undrafted rookie in 2016, I think it was, Um, and he's become one of the best defensive tackles in the league, one of the best run stuffers, uh, on, in the league at all, you know, not just on the Ravens, but in the league. Um, and, you know, as a restricted free agent, he had the potential to leave, but did not get an offer sheet because the Ravens placed a second round tender on him. Um, so that would have had, a team would have had to compensate them, that kind of draft pick. Um, so... The high price just not worth it for um, a lot of teams going out trying to get him. Uh, so the Ravens basically had him on lockdown. He would have either signed the tender or not played at all this upcoming year. But he does sign the tender to ensure that he will play in 2019. And that's huge for this Ravens defensive line. Um, and of course you have players in there like Brandon Williams uh, being a lot, paid a lot more. Um, could see a restructuring of his deal or a potential um, release after the 2019 season if the Ravens feel like it would just be optimal to continue on putting their money into Michael Pierce, which is entirely possible. It could totally happen. Now, Pierce um, is expected to get a pay raise in 2019. Um, he's only earned about, what was it, about a million dollars in his first, $1.62 million in his first three years in the league. Um, but this tender will ensure that he is paid three 0.095 million million next year. Nice pay raise for the defensive tackle. Um, so, again, Michael Pierce will be with the Ravens next year. About a $3 million cap hit to the roster. Overall, good evaluation there. Uh, Michael Pierce is a stud. And as long as he continues to play for the Ravens, I'll be happy. Um, but some other news. The Ravens were trying to get, or at least thinking about acquiring, um, former Lions pass rusher Ezekiel Ziggy Ansah. Uh, but Ziggy Ansa now plans, per, per reports, right? This is all reports out there. This is not completely official yet. Per reports, Ezekiel Ansa plans to sign with the Seattle Seahawks, dashing the hopes of the Baltimore Ravens. Um, no idea what the deal is going to look like by the time we get to see it, what monetary structure it has, uh, guaranteed money, you know, total potential money. I don't know. You know, none of these details have been released at the time of this podcast being recorded. Um, but I imagine when we see it, it's going to be significantly more than Baltimore would have wanted to pay. Because Baltimore, not that they're cheap, but they're cheap, right? They're not trying to overspend on players regardless of need. I mean, obviously, I think there would have been a need there if they didn't get Jalen Ferguson, which we'll talk about in the third round of the draft. Um, but they did, and now that they you know, have other pass rushers, Ziggy Ansa really might not fit into this team as much as he had Beforehand, they don't need to go out and pay him, um, you know, more money. That he would have mainly been a rotational guy, probably in this Ravens pass rush group. So it looks like he's heading to Seattle anyway. Uh, they traded Frank Clark to the Chiefs um, in, a, in a completely, I mean, that the events happening around that were so rapid fire, it was reported that they wanted to trade him. And then with a few hours, He's gone, so pretty crazy happenings there, but he'll go in there. It looks like right now, these are per reports, nothing is official, but Ziggy Ansah looks to be heading to Seattle, not the Baltimore Ravens where he was on a workout, and people expected the Ravens to wait until after May 7th to sign him because of the comp pick formula. The Ravens would not have to give up a compensatory pick that they would have earned um, you know, if they had signed Ziggy Anse, um today versus like two weeks ago. They would have had to give up a comp pick today they would not have. Um, So that's it on the actual Ravens news, though. Um, But we are going to take a look at the draft. uh, And of course, we're going to go over the prospects the Ravens have drafted and then the guys, they had at training camp. um, And, and, you know, they signed as UDFAs afterwards. Um, So we start with the first round. Obviously, everybody likes the first round the most because, you know, the... Highest and supposedly the best prospects, although every year we get, get guys in the 7th round, UDFAs, that do extremely well. Uh, UDFAs are undrafted free agents, but, um, you know, the draft is always basically considered a crapshoot by, you know, people who actually run it. So, when you've got guys, you know, in the first round, I mean, half of them end up as busts but I don't think the guy the Ravens picked is going to be a bust. I think Marquise Brown is going to be a fine receiver um, in the NFL. Now Marquise Brown, the Ravens drafted him at 25. They started the night at pick 22. They traded down three slots with the Philadelphia Eagles. They got a fourth and sixth round pick in return for that. Solid value. I love the idea to trade down, and they still got their guy. All wide receivers were still on the board. Marquise Brown was the first one off the board. Um, And what is Marquise Brown going to do? Well, first of all, You know, um, it's important to note that he's not super tall. Uh, Okay, he's 5'9", so he's not going to match up like a 6-foot receiver would. But he does have some very good advantages. Um, Extremely fast wide receiver. It did not run the 40-yard dash at the combine. I don't know the exact reason. I tried to find that out. Uh, I had some trouble doing that. But uh, I think it was probably injury. Marquise Brown is one of the fastest receivers in this draft, if not the fastest receiver of the draft, and unlike people um, that the Ravens have drafted in the past, and Brashad Perryman, right, he does not have a drop issue, which is huge. He's extremely fast, has no drop issue. He comes in and can replace John Brown immediately out the gate. Cousin of Antonio Brown, he's got good genes, um, could become a very good NFL talent, um, you know, another one in the family. Um, Overall, what do I think of this pick? Um, You know, I liked Nikhil Harry in this draft class. I talked about him a lot on this podcast and on other videos. I loved Nikhil Harry. I loved what he brought to the table for the Ravens, potentially. Um, The Ravens didn't agree. The Patriots ended up picking him. So I'm going to count that as a win in my book on evaluation because if Belichick thinks he's good, you know he's good, right? Belichick rarely misses, so... I'm going to count that as win in my book. But anyway, Marquise Brown, speedster wide receiver, can replace John Brown, should be an immediate starter on this roster. Now we've got players, um, well, now we've got guys in this, this this wide receivers group. Him, Chris Moore, Seth Roberts, Willie Sneed. Those four should be there on, on uh, day one. Now, we do draft another receiver in this draft class, but I'm going to talk first about our third-round pick. Again, if you forgot, we did not have a second-round pick. We traded our second round pick, last year uh, in order to move up to pick 32 in the end of the first round to get Lamar Jackson. Um, so I'm fine with, hey, if it's a second round pick for for the way Lamar's done so far and what he might bring for the future, I'm fine with that. Um, but in the third round, we got Jalen Ferguson, Louisiana Tech uh, edge rusher. Now, Jalen Ferguson broke the all-time NCAA sack record set by another other than Ravens legend Terrell Suggs. Terrell Suggs left for the Cardinals this year for a one-year deal in his home state just to play there and end out his career. Jalen Ferguson comes in to replace him. Can Jalen Ferguson become the next Terrell Suggs? It's going to be a really interesting arc to watch um, throughout his time in Baltimore, for sure. Jalen Ferguson, how he develops. Um, I have no idea. Now, he did slide this far, I think, mainly because that there was some sort of altercation he got into in his first year was only, like, fined with a misdemeanor. Um, The fine was, like, $100, $170, or something like that. And he's never gotten in trouble before or after that. So I'm not really sure. He wasn't even invited to the Combine for that. Uh, I'm not really sure exactly why teams felt this was the biggest deal. Um, Like, I would get it if he was a repeat offender that's done things before. But he got into a scuffle once in his freshman year, and now he's a senior and has been clean since. He was literally, during the draft, teams had con- had some trouble contacting him because he was in southern Louisiana help- helping to clean up from hurricane, not hurricane, tornado damage. So I'm not exactly sure where these character you know, concerns are coming from, aside from that one spot. Um, but, you know, he fell to the Ravens. So that's fine by me. I like him a lot being picked up there. Um, I believe he's the one they call sack daddy, Um, So if he can replace T. Sizzle, um, that'd be a a miraculous pickup in the third round. So overall, good start to Eric DeCasa's first draft. Now, the Ravens aren't done in the third round, though, because they had two third-round picks. And they actually traded up—I think they traded one of their sixth-round picks, too— to get Miles Boykin, the Notre Dame wide receiver. Now, this is uh, why—this is the only other pick uh, they expended on a wide receiver in this draft class. Now, Miles Boykin, though, is a little different than most Ravens receivers here. He's 6'4", 220 pounds. Okay, so he's a big body, but he also runs a 4.4.240. That's pretty darn fast for for his, someone his size. Um, but he is a big bodied jump ball receiver, did it a lot at Notre Dame, and the Ravens want to bring him in here and kind of be like an Anquan Bolden type player. Someone who's going to, you know, catch those contested passes for the Ravens. Um, he's basically, you know, a less stellar Nikhil Harry, I think. A- again, I haven't watched any of the tape yet on these players. I'm going to be doing tape evaluations of all our draft picks um this in the coming weeks here. But, you know, Miles Boykin will be on this Ravens roster day one. There's no question that they're going to keep him as a third round pick. But being but him being picked up puts Jaleel Scott in major jeopardy of being cut. Jaleel Scott was picked I think it was the fifth round last year, sixth round somewhere in there, to be a jump ball receiver. Didn't play at all. He was on the IR all, IR all for his rookie year. Now they're bringing in a guy who could maybe do more than him, and he's on the hot seat. So we will see what happens with Jaleel Scott. Jordan Lasley is also on the hot seat, right? The Ravens have, I think, seven wide receivers at this point, right? After they drafted Boykin, they've got Chris Moore, as I said earlier, Marquise Brown, Seth Roberts, Willie Sneed. Um, Jaleel Scott, Jordan Lasley, and Miles Boykin. That's seven. The Ravens, I don't think they've ever kept seven receivers. They keep six at most. Last year, they kept five. Um, so what's going to happen? Someone is getting cut, or someone's going to the IR to be IR stashed again. Um, and it's not going to be Miles Boykin. It's not going to be, um, Chris Moore. It's definitely not going to be Willie Sneed. And it for sure will not be Marquise Brown. I think there are three players um, that could get cut. Jordan Lasley, Jaleel Scott, and Seth Roberts. Now, obviously the Ravens signed Seth Roberts this past offseason, so I mean that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. But the way his contract is structured, I think that he could be a cut should the Ravens really, really, really like what they see in Jaleel Scott and Jordan Lasley. But most likely, either Scott or Lasley is going, and someone might get IR stashed on top of it. So, um, major competition we're going to see in training camp now. This Ravens wide receiver group is already ten times better than it was at before the draft. Uh last year they, they did some things to fix it. Um they put stop gaps in. They put John Brown was a stopgap. Although I think if Flacco was the quarterback through through the whole year, he would have been a much bigger play, much bigger impact on the team. Uh Michael Crabtree was a stopgap. He it was, you know, a one year one and done, basically. And we all knew that was gonna happen. Or at least I thought that was gonna happen from the moment we signed him. Um, you know, they brought in these veteran guys, but didn't address the core problem, and they didn't build around Flacco, really since 2012, since, you know, they traded away Anquan Boldin in that offseason after the Super Bowl. Um, they hadn't built around Flacco under Ossie Newsome. Now Eric Dikas is coming in, and he's completely flipping the script. And this is good. I'm not, I'm not blaming them for not building around Flacco. I'm just saying that they're going to have to give Lamar Jackson the weapons, the players that he can work with, and hes they're giving them that. They're giving them that in a super-fast wide receiver that he has a relationship with already Marquise Brown. Um, I, th- I think they played in before maybe in high school or Pop Warren or something like that, he said, that they knew each other in Florida. They're from the same area. He's got a relationship with this guy already, super-fast. I mean, this is going to be an interesting pair. Right, they're adding speed all around. Then they add another fast wide receiver, but one who can catch jump balls, a guy who's going to bully cornerbacks. That's an excellent, excellent way to build up around Lamar Jackson. And then they go out in the fourth round, and they get Justice Hill, the fastest running back of the draft, falls to the fourth round, Justice Hill from Oklahoma State, 4 four forty. Now, I know what you're thinking. We already have three running backs that should be on this roster before we add Justin Hill. Mark Ingram, right, came over from the Saints, He's going to be on this roster. There's no no way he's getting cut. Gus Edwards had a fantastic rookie year when they put in Lamar Jackson and paired him with, with Lamar. Uh, and Kenneth Dixon did very well after coming off of injury. Do the Ravens really want to keep four running backs? I'm going to tell you right now. The answer is no. The Ravens are not keeping four running backs. The Ravens will be cutting one of them. And my money's on Kenneth Dixon for the sheer fact that he has never played an entire season since being drafted in 2016. He's got hurt sustained Three times maybe he's been suspended once. I mean, it's just not been a good look for Kenneth Dixon. He's had his shining moments. But the problem is, the major problem, is he can't stay on the field. That's the major problem. Um, So Justice Hill could be that Kenneth Dixon replacement. Then you've got two downfield runners and a guy who can just sprint in any direction and outrun people. Um, And they go in and they go get another guy from... That same state, not Oklahoma State, they go to Oklahoma this time and grab Ben Powers, the guard. Ben Powers is a guy that basically says he wants to end players' careers on the other side of him. Not like you know injuring them, but like dominating them so badly he ends their career, right? This guy is a raven, right? He's gritty, he's tough, he's strong, he's nasty. He is not going to let people get past him and hit Lamar Jackson. He's not going to let people get past him. And get these running backs. I think this was a fantastic addition in the inside of the the interior offensive line. Um, ben Powers could shape out to be a phenomenal guard for us. And right now we've got Alex Lewis and James Hurst in there on that left guard spot. Plus you've got Marshall Yonda who signed a one-year extension. Might not play in 2020. This could be it for him after this upcoming year. Gotta develop guys. And Ben Powers could become, pardon the pun, a powerful guard, a very powerful guard. Uh and be one of the best in the business. So, I think it's a great addition there. Now, the Ravens in the 5th round went out and got Imman got two players. They got Imman Marshall first and then Dalen Mack. But starting with Imman Marshall. I'm sorry if I am mispronouncing it. Imman Iman. I'm not really sure. Um USC cornerback. They name him they they nicknamed him Biggie. I think he's 6'0, 6'1 somewhere in there. Uh big strong cornerback. I think he was a starter from day 1, I read. Uh, and played basically all four years at USC, did a t- tremendous job. I'm kind of surprised he fa- fell to the fifth round. I'm sorry. I'm kind of surprised the Ravens took him in the fifth round. I thought they might might be in there in the sixth round. Um, but the Ravens saw the guy they wanted, and they went out and got that guy, and that's all fine by me. Um, if he's the one they want, and especially we're talking fifth round, not first and second and third round here. We're talking fifth round where things are a bit more unpredictable. If he's the guy you want, you just go get him at that point. Um... I think it's a great addition because, obviously, Jimmy Smith is entering the final year of his contract, uh, and probably won't be brought back in twenty 2020, um, you've got Brandon Carr, who's never missed a game in his career, but he is, I think, entering his 12th year now, will not be around forever, he's gotta retire sooner or later before, you know, the injuries start piling up for once, because he's never had that happen before, um, you know, and then you've got other developing cornerbacks in Anthony Averett, you've got Maurice Kennedy, now you've got Eamon Marshall. So you've got a good group of guys you can build for the for the future. The Ravens are really putting the chips in their secondary here, uh, but they are preparing for the future. So they, they bring in veteran guys in Earl Thomas this offseason, uh, and they start planning for the future with Eamon Marshall. So I think it's an excellent move to draft a cornerback for the future and develop him. And Eamon Marshall is a big-bodied, played very well at USC a strong conference. Pac-12 is mainly a throwing conference now, so he has a lot of exposure to it. Um, So, kudos on the Ravens, I think this is a good pick. Now, they also get Dalen Mack, Texas A&M defensive tackle. This dude is nasty, okay? He's 6'1", 336 pounds heavy. He benched 30 reps of 225 pounds in a row, 30 reps. The dude once pushed a truck, and this, this is not a lie. This is on video. You can look up this up for yourself. He pushed a truck half a mile because he felt like it while he was training. A truck, a pickup truck, half a mile, didn't stop, just half a mile. That is nuts. That is wild. This dude is strong. This dude is going to push offensive linemen around. And this is I, the Ravens really found a good pick here, honestly, because you know Mac. He struggled a little bit in his first couple of years at Texas A&M. He was one of the top-rated prospects coming out of high school, but he found his place in this past year and really did tremendous a tremendous job down there. Maybe that's why some scouts were kind of passing over him because of the limited success he had at Texas A&M, but the physical attributes, you get him in the fifth round, he could develop into a Michael Pierce kind of guy, a Brandon Williams kind of guy. Um, now, the Ravens have drafted a, a defensive tackle, I believe, every year since 2008. Um, at some point in the draft. Now this continues that streak, but it also we we start to think about Brandon Williams. What's what are the Ravens going to do with him? They signed him to that huge mega deal a couple of years ago, and arguably Michael Pierce has outplayed him. And he was on a restricted free agent, one point six million dollar deal versus the fifty whatever million dollar deal they gave Brandon Williams. So the Ravens have an out, I believe. In the next couple of years of that contract, they can you know start saving on salary cap uh, and get rid of Brandon Williams should they want to. Um, so this provides them either with an option to do that or a completely stacked defensive line group. Either way, it's a win-win. Now we enter the sixth round. The Ravens have their last selection of the draft, and they take a surprise pick. Penn State quarterback Trace McSorley. Now I know what you're thinking. Chris, we've already got Lamar Jackson as our starting quarterback, and we've got RG Three as our backup quarterback. This is what we were doing. Why are they drafting Trace McSorley? You don't understand if you're thinking about Trace McSorley just as a quarterback. First of all, Trace McSorley was an excellent quarterback at Penn State, okay? He did a lot of great things. I saw him play in person multiple times. Great quarterback. Fantastic quarterback, um, Trace McSorley. Did a lot of good things for Penn State, won them great big important games, Big Ten Championship, the whole nine yards. Trace McSorley was there to do it. Um, but Trace McSorley is a superb athlete, number two. He can play basically anywhere on the field, and the Ravens want to have a Taysom Hill-type player. If you remember back to that Saints game, the Saints had the quarterback Taysom Hill, who didn't play just quarterback. He played quarterback. He played um, gunner on special teams. He played return man. He played wide receiver. I think he was in at running back at one point. The Ravens think that Trace McStorley can do all that plus play cornerback. They think he he could be a defensive back. This dude is going to be the ultimate Swiss Army knife for the Ravens. And if he pans out, as a quarterback alone, I could envision him becoming the backup, um, a very capable backup in the future. Um, You know, Honestly, I think that he... Going into this draft, I thought that he was going to be a sleeper for a potential starting quarterback in the next three, four, five years. Whoever drafts him might be able to develop him into a starting quarterback, a very good starting quarterback, I think. The Ravens made an excellent pick. Um, It's an insurance policy on RG3. It's It's a Swiss Army knife, right? So the Ravens are obviously going to carry three quarterbacks now. They're not going to cut Trace McSorley. I would highly doubt they would cut Trace McSorley after drafting him in round six, right? The Ravens will probably carry him into the season to do everything I mentioned and more, right? So I'm very, very interested to see what Trace McSorley can do for us and play all these wild, wacky gadget positions. I'm so excited, honestly. It's going to be so fun to watch that happen. The preseason, we're going to see a lot of it. So um, now he is, I think, six foot. So he's not that undersized. I mean, he's a bit undersized for a quarterback, but, you know, I mean, isn't Baker Mayfield like one or six zero two? I mean, Kyler Murray's 5'10. So, I mean, let's not pretend that he's you know the smallest quarterback in existence here um I think McSorley is a fine addition to this team I like him a lot that's all I can say I think it's gonna be fun he's gonna be Kyle Kyle Juszczyk was our Swiss army knife for a while I mean he's gonna be Kyle Juszczyk three times over right it's gonna be very interesting to watch um, but that wraps up the Ravens draft class. So, in review, they get Marquise Brown in the first round, Jalen Ferguson, Miles Boykin in the third, Justice Hill, Ben Powers in the fourth, Eamon Marshall, Dalen Mack in the fifth, and Trace McSorley in the sixth. And then after the draft, they went out and got themselves some free agents. Undrafted free agents. The biggest one of all is Gerald Willis. And I'm not saying biggest because he's a huge defensive tackle, I'm saying biggest because a lot of people thought that this guy was going to be a third round pick somehow goes undrafted. I think there were some sort of character concerns or something along the lines on that. Um, but the Ravens pick up Gerald Willis, I mean, another defensive tackle in there to really beef up this line. Who knows how the roster is going to shape out. He could honestly make the roster, even though it's completely stacked. Maybe they'll IR stash him or someone else. They also go and grab Michael On, on Oha. Um outside linebacker Texas AM Commerce. I talked to him. I had an interview with him. You can find that article on Baltimorefeather.com. Evan Worthington, safety from Colorado, Justin Christian, wide receiver from Marist. Marcus Applefield, offensive lineman from Virginia, Edjo Damon, Aija, linebacker from North Texas. I think I pronounced that right. Otero Alaka, linebacker Texas AM. CJ Good from Elon, the offensive lineman. Charles Scarf, uh, t- tight end from Delaware, Jalen Smith, Lamar Jackson's teammate from uh, college, wide receiver Jalen Smith from Louisville, very could very well could make this roster. He's, a one, to, he's one to watch because of that connection he's got with Lamar Jackson. Silas Stewart, I also talked to him, grabbed him, linebacker from University of the Incarnate World. The Ravens have a history of getting linebackers in, un, as undrafted free agents and having them make their roster. I believe Peanut was one. Um, Peanut Oahu. You've got Cole Hardman, tight end from Iowa. Sean Monster. Wide receiver from Boise State, Antoine Wesley. Wide receiver Texas Tech, Patrick Vehe. Offensive lineman from Texas. Originally, I thought LJ Scott signed with the Ravens, but he was actually a tryout invite, um, so didn't actually sign. But originally, that's what, what we were led to believe. Cleo Morris, defensive tackle Kent State. Matt Ozark, line. Uh, I'm sorry, long snapper from Azusa Pacific. And finally, Marcus Jones, edge from Angelo State. That is the Ravens. Um, oh, and, and actually, uh, some other team invites here, um, Jalen McClendon, quarterback from Baylor, impressed a lot of people uh, in Ravens minicamp, Taven Jacobs, wide receiver from Maryland, uh, Kyle Gibson, safety from UCF, and Garrett Davis, safety from Houston, That are the, those are the Ravens undrafted free agents that I know of, uh, that have listed on our website, so again, of those undrafted free agents, I think Jared Willis could honestly make the roster, I think, Silas Stewart or uh, Anuoha from Texas A&M, Anuoha, I'm sorry, could make the roster. The Ravens love linebackers, edge rushers. Jalen Smith can make the roster as a as a, as a wide receiver. Uh, a lot of people like Antoine Wesley from Texas Tech. LJ Scott is a player that a lot of people think could make their roster. Uh, I don't know about that, though. Um, the Ravens now have four running backs to deal with. A fifth would, would be insane. Um I could definitely see someone like Jalen McClendon barely sneaking in too. I mean, if he really impresses. Um, but the Ravens have three wide receivers on the roster already, right? He, McClendon is, is a is a tryout, so we'll see how it goes. The Ravens finish up minicamp. You know they're going to dabble in in, in the uh, the roster now for the next few weeks. So yes, that will conclude today's episode of Nest Talk. Um, I don't know if we'll have another one next week simply because we are in the complete dead zone now of the off season. So, I mean, I will let you know via Twitter, via Facebook, whether or not we're having one next week. I hope to. If there's enough news, if there's enough to talk about, maybe I could fill 20 minutes uh, to 30 minutes with, you know, some, some, something else Ravens related. We'll try. Um, but again, we are officially in the dead zone now. You know the off season isn't really the off season until after the draft. Then it's the dead zone of the off season until we pick up training camp, um, which is is coming up. I mean training camp starts in July. I think we've got other mini camps, OTAs coming soon. Um, so there will be stuff to talk about soon. Um, so yeah, stay tuned on Twitter, stay tuned on Facebook, and I will let you know whether or not we're having episode thirty six of Nest Talk next week. Uh, for now, I'm Christopher Linfant of Baltimore Feather, uh, BaltimoreFeather.com. You can find us at Be More Feather on Twitter or at NestTalk on Twitter. Search us up on Facebook. Just search up BaltimoreFeather or NestTalk. And, of course, you can find all the latest and greatest Ravens news and opinion articles on BaltimoreFeather.com. I am Christopher Linfant, again, signing out for BaltimoreFeather.com. Have a great week, everybody.